0: Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host E.K. Wimmer.
1: Hi, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose.
0: Hi, how you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm good for this episode, because this is a special one. We haven't done an event in a little while. And yeah. rather than focusing in on one specific event, the event is a person, and that person is um, the one and only Weird Al Yankovic.
1: Honestly, I'm surprised it took us this long to get I, Yeah, to I kind
0: of am, too. Um, we are going to be focusing in on the life of Weird Al uh, from 1980 to 1989, because we're an 80s podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about his uh, upbringing and a little about his successes afterwards. But really, we're focusing in on Weird Al in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. This should be fun. Um, I'm very excited. I feel like we should throw it out there at the beginning, too, that this... This episode should maybe be dedicated to your brother.
1: Oh yeah, my baby brother <laughs> like the
0: biggest Weird Owl fan I've ever met.
1: Yeah, he and my mom went to see Weird Owl. Well, I actually introduced him to Weird Al when he was a little boy. Oh, did you? Yes. Weird Al and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he's fans of both of them, so, like, hardcore. Yeah,
0: I took him to go see the Chili Peppers years ago. Yeah,
1: but... and my mom took him to go see Weird Al in Billings, Montana. Oh,
0: he loved it, too. He's the only person I've ever met that has seen Weird Al in concert. I know,
1: which is shocking, considering that he plays constantly, yeah, apparently. Uh-huh. What
0: was, when was the first time you ever heard Weird Al? Do you remember?
1: Oh, I was real little. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's just like part of the background sound of your life when you're little, because it, especially for us, we grew up in the 80s and that's right when he was making it big. So it was just everywhere.
0: You don't have like a distinctive, like the first video you ever saw. Oh, it was for sure Eat It. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What about you? I think mine was like a surgeon. I remember seeing Eat It and I remember... Uh, you know, fat, of course, yeah. and stuff like that. But I think Like a Surgeon was the one that really stood out first for me, where I thought it was hilarious because I knew Madonna,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: got it. I got the joke. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because Like a Surgeon is the only um, only song he's ever done that wasn't his idea. Really? Yeah, he's a strict thing where he doesn't accept Yeah. Ideas, Because everybody's constantly being like, you know it would be funny? <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't do that.
1: There's a whole thing on his webpage about it.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: about how his mind is weird enough. He doesn't major in a polite way.
0: But he doesn't accept like mm-hmm. ideas, except as the, the legend goes, uh, Madonna was walking with a friend and was overheard saying, she was a fan of Weird Al's apparently, this is really early on, uh, was overheard saying, when is he going to do... Uh, like a surgeon, and it got back to Weird Al, and he thought that was a really funny idea, and so he ended up doing it.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool story. Yeah, so
0: I think, to to my knowledge, that's the only time he's ever done that. So
1: the only idea he accepted was from Madonna? Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, um, before we launch in, I guess we should go over any uh, thrift store finds. Oh,
1: I had some scores today. Oh, did you? Well, I really... Bandied about the idea of buying a Dwight D. Eisenhower commemorative plate. And it wouldn't even be the first that we've owned. I ended up buying a small pin with a, a hot dog. And it's got ketchup and mustard and relish on it. And then a cool, uh, it's like a hand-sewn 70s vest. I actually went back for this codpiece vest (laughs) that I had seen a few (laughs) days ago, and somebody bought it. It is no longer there. Oh, really? But as I was looking for it, I found this cool 70s. It's like a crop top vest, and it's like denim, but with like red thread. It's super cool. What about you? What did you find?
0: (laughs) uh, Not much, but I did find a um, Dune storybook that's uh, like... It's uh, got pics from the film, okay, and then it's kind of an adapted story, like a shortened one, like they used to do with Star Wars yeah. and stuff. But they did it with Dune, which is cool because right on the front, it's got you know David Lynch's name and stuff, and Kyle MacLachlan's on the on the cover.
1: Is any of it drawn, or is it just no? Photos? It's all like
0: stills okay. from the from the movie. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it'll go well beside our uh, Dune board game. <laughs>
1: ah the game that shall never be played <laughs> the
0: hardest game ever created in the history we of tried game. to play it once yeah i gave up on it quick yeah. it was so convoluted
1: oh yeah plus it's kind of like risk and playing risk with you is a nightmare okay thanks a cheater <laughs>
0: okay um so weird al yankovic
1: oh shall i launch
0: i think we should uh send this ship to sea and let's let's see what happens We are going to cover the life of Weird Al. Okay. And um, what an interesting life he has led.
1: He's he's a nerd. I love him. I love that he is weird, like, from the get-go. And it's, like, his real personality.
0: Yeah, he's definitely... That's the one thing I would say is he's not phony. Like, it's not a character. He just... That's who he is. He can be very serious, and he's very smart. Yeah. But it's not like he turns it on and pretends to be this character. No. He just... Figured out a way to get paid to be a nerd, and that's awesome. Just
1: to be himself, yes. So he was born in uh, California, of all Mm -hmm. places. It's weird because for some reason I just assumed (laughs) he had been born in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I was like, California? Really? Wasn't
0: he born in Linwood?
1: Um, I don't know. Isn't I that the it.
0: straight out of Linwood or whatever? Isn't, isn't
1: yeah? That well, I think he was born. He was his parents lived in one city, and he was born in Linwood or vice versa. Um, so he's born in 1959, which means he is one year younger than my parents, which is <laughs> for some reason weird because he seems like he's from a different generation. So weird. how Al had his first accordion lesson when he was really, really young. It was right before his sixth or seventh birthday. It's unclear as various sources disagree. Although his website says his seventh birthday, so I'll go with that. And he started learning covers on his accordion. Like his, he, There's this joke he made about his dad saying that he was going to revolutionize rock and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But both of his parents were musical. And there's another Al Yankovic who was an accordion player. Actually, um, they became friends later in life. They're not related to each other.
0: His name wasn't Al, was it?
1: Oh no, maybe not. No, something just Yankovic. Yankovic. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Anyway, there was another Yankovic accordionist. Accordionist.
0: Yeah, I think it's an accordionist. I don't know. <laughs> I think okay. that's what it would be.
1: I'm like stumped. Whatever yeah. it is, let's go with accordionist. Do you
0: remember? Um, Accordion
1: watched... to me, that's what it's called. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, okay. Um, do you remember we watched those little one minute uh, animated? Mm-hmm stories of his life that, yes. uh, I don't know, they were just little interviews with him talking about aspects of his life, but they were set to, to animated sequences.
1: From his childhood? It was really funny. Oh, they're, yeah. Were they on YouTube?
0: No, I think they are on Amazon. Oh,
1: we'll watch them if you get a have five minutes to kill. They're <laughs> sure, yeah. surprisingly funny. So he's actually really brilliant as a child he starts kindergarten a year early and then they just are like never mind let's skip second grade and scoot right on to third and throughout school um he obviously he was a little weird because he was two years younger than everyone else so imagine like being 10 and trying to hang out with the 14 year olds Mm -hmm. or the 12 year olds excuse me i know math (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he was just a little bit behind, and he later says that he remembers kind of being called Weird, Weird Al occasionally, but that wasn't really, like, a thing. It wasn't, like, his nerd name or anything. Mm-hmm. But he had been, I-, I think, sometimes called Weird Al. He um, went to high school and actually graduated as the valedictorian of his class at age 16. Mm-hmm. He also got straight A's all through school, so he's... Um, He's smart, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> um, but while he was in in high school, he was in like a bunch of clubs and stuff, which sounds boring. Except there was one special club. So he did like drama and you know whatever boring clubs there are. Then there was one called the Volcano Worshippers Club. Ah, you know
0: what? There's a quick scene in UHF where he's doing the programming for, like, a Friday night. And he's like, okay, so we'll do this, then we'll do this, and then we'll do, and it's a volcano worshipping appreciation episode or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's where that comes from. That's
1: great. Can I tell you about the purpose of the Volcano Worshippers Club? Yeah, for sure. They did nothing, according to Weird Al, and instead it was just a ploy to get into the yearbook, like, get a group photo.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I, um... So for in in preparation for this episode we did, you know, research from a bunch of different sources. Yeah. But there was a VH one special behind the music, which was pretty funny because he just goes on like uh starts yelling about how you know he didn't he doesn't do drugs, he doesn't uh drink, he doesn't sleep around, he you know, blah blah blah. And he was like, Why are you even doing an episode on me? But in it
1: he, he, <laughs> I saw that, yeah. yeah.
0: It's funny. It was
1: VH one, so of course I saw it.
0: He uh, he talks about his early childhood as being like super sheltered cuz he was an only child mm-hmm. and his parents um really did shelter him quite a bit and even before high school the elementary that he went to was across the street mm-hmm. i think it was the, the elementary and he said he would see his mother looking out the window like with binoculars making sure that the kids weren't like picking on him and stuff oh. like that so he was pretty he was very sheltered, and then That's he so thanked sweet. them for, in addition to that, um, signing him up for accordion lessons. That's so, <laughs> so sweet.
1: It sounds like he has a great, or had, I don't think his parents are probably still alive. I don't know. I didn't Oh, look. you don't
0: know the story?
1: No. Is there a story? Oh, it's
0: really tragic. No. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to that later.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh,
0: that's awkward.
1: Aww. Okay. Yeah, they nope. were very
0: good parents to him.
1: Okay. Well, just tell it now. Good grief.
0: They, a few years back, died of carbon monoxide in their house together, <gasps> like, from the fireplace, I think.
1: It was horrible, yeah. but also peaceful. Yeah. They, they went together as kind of a nice They
0: thing. did, and it was a big, uh, big blow to him, obviously. It, like, Aww. sunk into quite a depression for a while about it but yeah yeah. I mean so it was a really tragic story and what's sad is on the behind the music uh episode they're there you know talking about him sitting on the couch talking about their son and I was like do
1: they look like him
0: no, not really. Oh, I mean, they just look like too bad, parents from that era. So. <laughs> I
1: just pictured two parents with, <laughs> with curly like, hair. hair
0: and glasses. <laughs> no, they don't at all. Oh, that's yeah. too
1: bad. Okay, so after graduating from high school at age 16, he went on to attend college at the Col- California Polytechnic Institute. Uh, he wanted to become an architect. And he there's like interviews with him and stuff where he says he was kind of like, adult-minded, so he was trying to be serious and focus on being professional, and he'd had a teacher in high school that he really liked who who had taught him, like, draftsmanship or something like that. So he went on to get a degree in architecture, although, (laughs) interestingly, um, he said he got mediocre grades, which I'm assuming were (laughs) A-minuses. I'm not really sure, but... Okay, so I'm kind of going to skip back to high school because there's this thread that goes from high school throughout his career. And so in high school, uh, Dr. Demento, who was a radio broadcaster, a little bit about him, he has actually, Dr. Demento has a degree in in ethnomusicology, which I had to actually look up is the study of music from other cultures uh, with a non-Western emphasis, which is strange, but this guy is like, a genius of music he started collecting records and went on to become like this huge deal uh in the radio broadcasting world yeah. like he played like kind of off the wall strange things because he like knew his stuff really really well and he played a lot of music that influenced al even to this day so he when he came to the school it was a really big deal for weird al because he had been listening to this show everybody had it It was very popular
0: yeah dr demento was like um a novelty show where he would play he still to to date has one of the like greatest record collections in the world of novelty records and it's stuff like think you know if you you hear the monster mash or something like that it's that kind of stuff like real offbeat off the wall Mm -hmm. weird eccentric stuff and that's um just quite a personality, uh, a, yeah. a big personality. So I don't know if people have ever heard the Dr. Demento show or are familiar with him, but um, the idea of, of Weird Al linking up with him oh, it's like <laughs> perfect fit. sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I guess he came regularly to the high school because he came and Weird Al gave him like a sample of his music, and nothing came of it. And then the next time he came, Weird Al gave him another sample, but this time. Which is great, because he was listening to this little kid's music. Can you even imagine? That says a lot about his character, first of all. Yeah. But so Dr. Demento listened to it and then played it. It was a song about riding in his parents' car. But it got played on the air, and it got Al some attention. So then Weird Al went on to college with this kind of, like, under his belt— working on his degree in architecture, and he and a friend started performing at open mics. There was, like, a coffee house in different places, uh, just various other gigs, him on accordion and his friend on bongos. Um, <laughs> what's great about this is Al would say, he said that, like, everybody at these gigs were playing, like, folksy stuff, and then he'd get on and do an accordion version of 2001 or something. Oh, yeah. So he was just, like just strumming the wrong note in just the right way um, and then he also took a job as a disc jockey where he this is where he officially became Weird Al. like he owned his weirdness and this is where it started for him and there, there's a story of him from this time where he uh, students were calling in because it was raining and I guess a couple weeks prior uh, they had canceled classes because of the rain which is Ridiculous, but whatever. Um, And he announced on the air that school was canceled, even though it wasn't. And the campus police like took him out. Like they came and pulled him (laughs) off the air. Um, But 70% of the class like of the students didn't show up the next day. Which shows how much reach he had. Yeah. And he had started as like new wave rock or something, but he started playing weirder and weirder stuff as he went along. But he didn't lose his job for this. That's uh, kind of the important thing is they realized people were listening to him. He just got a slap on the wrist and continued his job.
0: Have you ever seen uh, in the on the behind the music they show footage of him? as a disc jockey. Like, it's really fun to see I him. feel
1: like I've seen it somewhere. Yeah, and
0: this is where he got his name, Weird Al, was in college. A couple college students had christened him Weird Al because they truly thought he was weird. Like, he was not liked. He didn't have a lot of friends. He um, was kind of an outcast, a little quirky. And so... Um, well, he
1: was young, two years younger than yeah, everybody. And they would call
0: him weird. And so that's, yeah. that's where it stuck. His friend who played the bongos was telling this story that, like, yeah, he Mm. was just this kind of on the outskirts, got the name Weird Al, owned it, and that when they were at the coffee shop playing, he looked over and saw the reaction and realized, like, I think this is what this guy wants to do with his life, is, is, you know, make weird songs and not be an architect.
1: Well, Al didn't realize this yet, though.
0: No, but his friend said it was kind of obvious that this is where he thrived.
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly, anybody who's seen him sees it and goes, oh... This is what you were meant to do. Uh, So in 1978, he released his... He was on his, like, first album. I think it was a compilation. His song was called... uh, Or the LP was called Take Me Down... It was comedic in nature, his song and stuff, but it really wasn't until 1979 that he had his big break. So this is where we're catching up to our prime zone, the 1980s. The Knack had released their hit single, My Sharona. We all know that, mm-hmm. right? If you don't, whatever. He was working at a, at the uh, as a disc jockey, as I said, and he went into the bathroom because they had good acoustics, and he recorded himself doing a... Uh, Parody of My Sharona uh, You've probably heard it My <laughs> Bologna And uh, it was a big hit And Dr. Men- Demento played it on the air And then later Weird Al sh- actually ran into Doug Feiger, I think that's how it's pronounced from the Knack The lead singer And he played it for him And so Doug connected him With Capitol Records And he actually got his first contract It didn't really amount to much but it was a six-month uh, recording contract, so that was his first like s- peek in the door.
0: I think that's kind of amazing when you think about it that the guy he was making a spoof of actually mm-hmm. got him his career because it was it was basically a one-time thing where they'll put out this out or this single, mm-hmm. and and it was really successful. Like it started to yeah. be heard all around. But it is funny that uh, you know it was from the band that he was spoofing. They, yeah. They heard it and they thought he was really funny and really brilliant.
1: It's kind of the story of his career, though. Like, think about all these little, like, so far we've got Dr. Demento just giving him a huge opportunity based on some weird little thing he did. It's fantastic. So in the fall of 1980, Al was getting ready to play, uh, record. He was, like, going to play on the air live and also make a recording on the Dr. Demento show because he was on there again. And he was out in the hallway waiting, and he met this guy named uh, John Schwartz.
0: <laughs> Bermuda.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so John Schwartz uh, offered to help play some some drums, like, to play with him. And so they sat on the hallway and kind of rehearsed, ran through it a couple of times. And they were playing Another One Rides the Bus, which is a parody yeah. on Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. And then from there on... John Schwartz, whom Al called like by the nickname Bermuda, Bermuda Schwartz. Um, oh, was
0: that Al that gave him the nickname? Yes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he just asked him, well, Bermuda was a percussionist, and, and he said, cool, you can play on my accordion case, I guess, if you want. Yep. And they hit it off. And this is one thing, you know, jumping a little ahead, but I think is really amazing and says a lot is that, it's been the same band since yeah, day one. Yeah, I'll go one. through it, yeah. I mean, that's remarkable, still to this day. Well, not deep- since
1: day one, but pretty close. Well, no,
0: since they all joined, yeah. it, there's only been one person that's left. It's,
1: it's bonkers. It's
0: really pretty amazing.
1: After that, Schwartz is with him. That's it. That's the end. So he, a little bit about John Schwartz. He comes from a musical background. His dad's actually fairly successful. He worked with some big names as like a... A session guitarist i think hmm. and his mom was a piano teacher uh and he's been in all but three shows from that weird owl has done wow. ever it, because of an illness three shows uh he works with other musicians to like a whole bunch you can look it up if you're into it and he also got into graphic design and web design and he in 1995 designed Weird Al's website. He now is the runner, like the owner, director, whatever of WeirdAl.com. So if you go look at it, it's mm, that's
0: called a webmaster, Mariah.
1: Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> whatever.
0: There is a term,
1: <laughs> web king, and so he he runs that. He runs a bunch of other sites, including his own. He's also the band's official historian, and he's often asked to like give stuff to shows or whatever, whoever's researching Weird Al or wants to do some like segment because he has everything, everything that Hmm. the band has ever done. So he's the guy to go to. Anyway, in 1981 Weird Al went on his first tour. It was with Dr. Demento. So all this momentum is building largely supported by Dr. Demento. And while he's on tour in um, Phoenix, Arizona uh, Weird Al is uh, Touches base with this guy Levy who's a manager And he says they need to Assemble a full band and Weird Al had been Kind of thinking about it So this Levy guy, Jay Levy He holds auditions With Weird Al He like puts out an ad in the paper And people come and audition And this is where we meet Steve Jay And Jim West they joined the band. They went on tour as the opening act as a band for Missing Persons in 1982.
0: No. <laughs> this is. Did you uh, look into this at all? The this first concert. No. As a band. No. Oh, it did not go well at Why? all.
1: Why? It, it's a weird combo. It was missing
0: Missing Persons. Who, if you go, if you guys don't know who that is, look them up. They're cool. There's like you know, new wave band.
1: I wouldn't put him with Weird Al,
0: though. Never. Uh, But the manager of Missing Persons, they were on the same label, basically, and was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this would be a great fit. And so this was Weird Al with his full band, his very first
1: Like a bunch of nerds.
0: They were getting paid 500 bucks, so it was like an actual paid gig. Okay. They were very excited. And from the moment they started, he said the moment he walked out with an accordion, They were booed, heckled. People threw things at them the entire time. You suck. You suck. The the whole entire time. And he said it wasn't like charming. (laughs) The band said they like clearly hated them like big time to the point of even after the show. Weird Al told this story that he was walking to his car like they had just been, you know, assaulted the entire time. But they played the show anyway. (sighs) And he's walking to his car and some little kid comes up and says, are you Weird Al? And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "You guys sucked."
1: That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> and that was their very first show as a band.
1: It's great though, because what's Missing Persons doing now, and what's Weird Al doing now? You
0: know, that's the story of Weird Al, which he's mentioned from time to time. Is it's kind of remarkable that 40 years later, he's outlasted like every most of the bands that he's yeah. made fun of because um, they were one-hit wonders, and nobody expected him to to be past one or two songs like he really shouldn't have been around further yeah and he just stayed
1: yeah it's fantastic so also i wanted to touch on his band members there's uh steve J, uh and this guy has released uh eight solo albums he's the founder of a duo which is named ak or ak and zooey i don't know i feel like i've heard it before but I feel like I should mention them because we're talking about Weird Al. Yeah, look for at sure. me that way. should get a little love. He's recorded a crap ton of PBS specials and episodes, and he's won three George Foster Peabody Awards. Oh, well, There you go. Mr. Peabody. And then Jim, who I think is called Kimo or Kimo, I'm guessing it's Kimo. West. Uh, like the other members, he's... Been totally involved since the beginning. And he also composes for film and television and was nominated for a Grammy on his own in 2018. Oh, that's cool. So they're all like super talented. They're all smart. It seems like they just are like. Guys who found a good gig, and they're hard workers, they're smart people, and they just do their thing. I think that's awesome. So, wrapping it up here to 1985, things really began to move super quickly. Uh, I Love Rocky Road broke on the, (laughs) the top 40 on radio. And then Ricky released uh, as a single with a video. And this was important because video plays such an important role from here on out with MTV and then moving forward. Oh,
0: this is Weird Al's career is yes. because of video. I mm-hmm. mean, honestly, Absolutely. Like, it wouldn't have gone the distance without the musical videos.
1: 100% agree. So this video for Ricky broke the hundred, mu- the like top 100 music videos at the time. And then in 1983, Weird Al released his first album, Weird Al. That's the name. And and that it was at this time that he realized, oh, this is what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. So after, like, way after everybody else realized it, he figured it out and he quit his day job because up until this point, (laughs) he'd been working as a mail clerk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I love that about Weird Al's story. I don't feel like we get that enough. And as a, you know, as a musician myself that's been in bands my whole life, like, you have to work a day job, and I think people forget that even when you're signed,
1: it's not a know, not a done deal. We've
0: opened. I've had bands that I've opened for that were signed on major labels, and in the after parties, I'm like asking them about what life's like, and they're like, "Well, I only have X amount of days off before I got to go back to work." And yeah. I'm like, "But you're signed to this major label. That's reality." So this aspect of him. Working a day job still, even though he's got like hit songs now, and he's
1: like traveling the world. Yeah, it's
0: great. I just think yeah. that that's like you know he did his time. He yeah. really does. He he came up the right way.
1: Absolutely. So he quit his job as a mail clerk at this point, and then the next year, 1984, he released Weird Al Yankovic and 3D, uh, and his first single and the accompanying video were Eat It.
0: Yeah, I have a question for you. Oh. I thought it was his first album, but I guess not. It might have been this one, which we were... Actually, we have 3D on vinyl. Mm-hmm. We were just listening to it tonight. Um, Getting pumped. I, he was nominated and I think won a Grammy for his very first album.
1: Yes. So,
0: That's insane. I yeah. mean, I granted, it was in the comedy you know, category, mm-hmm. so it's not up against everybody. But still, to come out like that... And
1: Well, he didn't win it for his first. He won it for... Th- we, uh, Weird Al 3D. Oh, so, so it was 3D. It's his second. Okay, yeah. okay,
0: that makes more sense.
1: Um. Anyway, Eat It was a huge success, largely because of this crazy video. And also, Jay, the. Der, there, So there are two J's. There's Jay Levy and then uh, Steve J. Don't get them confused. Yeah, no,
0: Jay Levy's got a real heavy hand because he directs he's, constantly. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: So he's he's involved right from the beginning, just like everybody else. It's amazing. Eat It was a huge success. It made it to number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is crazy for a comedy album. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even. Uh, and then this would remain his highest charting song until, weirdly, 2006. Yeah. So that gives you was a that, little...
0: Uh, white and Nerdy? I don't...
1: I think so. I, I think that
0: was his, the big one. Yeah, I yeah. think so.
1: But that's crazy, like, how long his career is and and how um, successful he is. So Edith won a Grammy for best comedy recording and then the video won an American Video Award for Best Male Performance. <laughs> 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 um okay and then eat you know, it was huge on mtv and then it gave weird al a ton of exposure because mtv kept playing it and you have to remember how huge mtv was at this time it was like growing and growing and growing i so, feel like
0: with mtv if you were in on the ground level yes. you were in and, yes. he, and weird al was absolutely in on the ground level
1: and in fact they gave him a four-hour special called al tv And then it played his favorite rock videos, and then he did bits in between. Um, And then finally, People Magazine picked the Weird Al 3D album as one of the 10 best of 1984. Interesting. So he is launched. He's ready. He is... I mean, maybe he's already sailing.
0: Yeah, his career is in full swing now. Yes. We're in the middle of the 80s, and Weird Al is now pop cultural kind of powerhouse. However... At this point now, he's done this massive single, yeah, and this should be it, and yeah. Basically, it really should. everybody around him is like, "Well, it was fun, mm-hmm. but that's it." And nobody expected him
1: one and done,
0: buddy. Yeah, to continue on, and so um, from 1985, this is where things pick up even more. On June 18th, he released his third album. This was the big follow-up to his massive success, and it was Dare to Be Stupid, which I loved. (laughs) Uh, Dare to Be Stupid. The title tracks this um, Devo-style track. It's an original song, but it's in the the personality of Devo, Mm -hmm. which Mark Mothersbaugh loved. He thought it was fantastic. Of course. There's a video and everything, but... This album came out, and this is the one that had like a surgeon, I want a new duck, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it did uh, very well. I of mean, course. so he he definitely followed it up um, with another hit album. The videos that went along with it, they those were all compiled. So they took all the videos and then extra material and made this this mockumentary um, called The Complete Owl, which I haven't seen. Um, I think it's on you know, Amazon or something like that. I've never Mm. watched it, Mm -mm. but it's a mockumentary. And then there was also a book that came out that same year called uh, The Authorized
1: (laughs) I love that he authorized it as (laughs) opposed to being unauthorized. But
0: this is really a major step because now he's got multiple hits. He doesn't Mm -hmm. just have one. He's really here to stay. He's
1: bonafide. He's
0: bonafide for sure. He's got a documentary now, a mockumentary. He's got a book. He's got these hit singles and he's moving right along, which is pretty incredible Uh, That album was nominated for a Grammy. And it was also, fun fact, the first album, comedy album to ever be released on CD. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And it later went platinum, which most of his albums have now gone platinum. There's only a couple that haven't. And we'll talk about those.
1: Guys, let's push for it.
0: So at this point, for the most part, uh, Weird Al took on this um, thing that he did. He didn't have to because... uh, Spoofing songs was like public domain.
1: Oh yes, well not public I read domain. What's it
0: called? Fair um, use.
1: A, yeah, he can.
0: So he could, but Legally. he took it upon himself to get permission from the artist personally. It's because of royalties. Is that what you read?
1: No. Well, yes and no. So he also he wants to be able to get the money from the song because he is borrowing elements from it. But also, it's it's totally legal, and he's just being polite.
0: Okay. Well, so I, it's yeah, a
1: combo of things.
0: Yeah, I, I got the impression it was more just to be polite because he just didn't want to have that awkwardness, yeah. which I believe, because we'll get to it later, but the only time it really became awkward, uh, it really bothered him a lot and it, it kind of drug on for a long time. But he would always get permission... And for the most part, artists were always game. They were like, sure, whatever. Yeah.
1: It's like a seal of approval.
0: (laughs) Especially later on. It's now Mm -hmm. become like a rite of passage, basically, to be spoofed by Weird Al. You've made it. Yeah, to be parodied. But I I think that he he wanted to to make sure everything was cool so he would get permission. Mm Mm-hmm. And then go forward. The big one was obviously Michael Jackson. Allowing him to do a song was what launched his career, really, like into yeah. the stratosphere.
1: And Michael Jackson thought it was a hilarious idea.
0: Michael Jackson was a lifelong fan of Weird Al; like of he course. huge supporter. He thought it was so funny. And um, we'll get to even as their relationship goes on, because they'll he'll have one more big hit yes. for Michael Jackson. But th- even though all these artists were pretty much cool with it. Mm-hmm. There was a few different occasions where they weren't. Like, Paul McCartney wanted to do a cover of Live and Let Die, but it was called Chicken Pot Pie. And Paul McCartney, being a vegetarian, didn't want that, so oh. he recommended it was called Tofu Pot Pie, and Weird oh. Al was like, oh, it doesn't really work because no. I have a chicken in the background and everything Which is else. <laughs> weird
1: because Weird Al's vegetarian. Yeah, well,
0: he wasn't at the time, okay. but then he since went vegetarian, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's been instances like that, but... There's been really only one major, major. Uh, I wouldn't call him like an arch nemesis, but I think it's. I feel like it's a reoccurring theme mm. in Weird Al's career.
1: Well, but you're also we're neglecting the '90s Coolio incident.
0: Yeah, that's a different thing, though. It's whole,
1: that's it's a whole other thing.
0: This one, though, has a it's constant. A good one. Yeah. Hilarious back and forth where Weird Al tried to get permission from the one and only Prince (laughs) over and over and over again. And Prince, to nobody's surprise, always said no. And he had all these ideas. Like he wanted to spoof everything. Of
1: course, Prince was it, right? Prince you know? is so spoofable too. And he's doing
0: he's doing Madonna and Michael Jackson. Everybody
1: gotta get Prince.
0: Can't get Prince. Prince will not let him do it. <sighs> Even though he could have, I guess, done it anyway. But he he didn't. I and love
1: Prince, but I don't love Prince for this.
0: I kind of do at the same time because I, I think know. it's funny.
1: Ugh.
0: And as you know, if you haven't, go back and listen to our big Prince episode. Mm -hmm. I I am a massive Prince fan. And so this makes it even funnier because Mm -hmm. I know Prince's personality for this is, of course, he's not going to approve of it. No way. Especially at this time in the 80s where he's taking himself way too seriously. Yeah,
1: his music is all serious.
0: Yeah, he definitely loosened up as the years went on. But whoa, this is the wrong time to approach Prince. (laughs) And so... This is the story of Weird Al and Prince throughout both of their careers. He never once, till his death, never once gave him permission to do a song. And, oh. and Weird Al tried over and over again. One of the favorite ones, I've read some of the ones that he tried to do. Mm-hmm. My all-time favorite that I, I've, you know, he never recorded, of course, is he wanted to do a spoof of um, of Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know what it was going to yes. be called? Yellow Snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just feel like Prince missed out.
1: Hold on. I have, I would like to interject with a. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I predict in the future somebody's going to find that Prince actually did leave a will. Uh. And I think. Prince at the end of his will, he'll like bequeath the rights to all of his songs and his money and all that, and he'll also say, "P.S. Weird Al can do whatever." <laughs> it, so, it's there's a treasure map. It's uh, National Treasure Part Four. It's going to be finding Prince's will.
0: Oh, oh! Nicolas Cage finds Prince's will, and at the very end, it says that Weird Al has permission.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: there's make it. There it is. Okay. Was there even a part three?
1: I don't know. Who cares? Okay,
0: well, this would be part four, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the feud between Prince and Weird Al, the, the very famous account that is hilarious. I don't know, though, when... I could not confirm when this happened, if mm-hmm. it was at the height of their back and forth in the 80s, or if it was later, but I, I feel like it was later. They were at an event together. I think it was the American Music Awards, and... Weird Al found out that he was going to be sitting basically next to Prince, (laughs) and at this point, like Prince was not having any of Weird Al. And before the event, true story, Weird Al received a letter from Prince's management saying, "You are not allowed to make eye
1: contact
0: with Prince."
1: What a (laughs) jerk move! I would have stared directly at at Prince's face. I would have gone
0: dressed as Prince. (laughs) (laughs) no joke I would have 100% done that (laughs) I've been like what so yeah anyway my favorite thing about this whole back and forth between Prince and Weird Al is that in 1986 so now that now that Weird Al is like chewing it up
1: oh my can you just imagine if he had gone dressed as Prince (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I've just got a full visual.
0: There is this really great lost interview on YouTube that I found okay. from 1986 where Weird Al does a fake interview with Prince. Oh, yeah. like... So good. Classic Weird Al where he pretends to interview him and then just cuts together an older interview with Prince.
1: Yeah, some other random info.
0: It's hilarious, but um, some of my favorite parts let's play some clips so that you can hear weird al's personality and also what he's doing to just poke the bear he's definitely poking the bear right now with prince because you know prince after hearing this was not happy or pleased about any of this but here's a little clip what do you do when somebody comes up to you on the street and gives you a piece of cheese i just say thank you do you think that you'll ever be able to grow a real mustache Guess not okay you know what (laughs) let's do another one here's another clip (laughs) let me ask you one final question something that all of america has been dying to know do you ever secretly wish that you were me all the time well thank you for your honesty okay i love weird al so much Mm -hmm. Uh, okay so yeah 86 is going well and then everything, this is going to be the first time really in, in Weird Al's career that it takes a definitely, sh- a big shift. Granted, when you were talking about early on, when he had uh, that big single for My Bologna, mm-hmm. and then it got uh, cut, like he didn't yeah. get renewed. Yeah. That was kind of a blow where he had to figure things out, but nothing really too it big. It wasn't huge. He was writing high, but in 86, he was saying he was kind of pressured to to. Do a follow up because now he's he's in it.
1: Yeah,
0: and he released on October twenty first, uh, Polka Party. Yeah, and Polka Party uh, was his first legit commercial and critical failure on yeah. all accounts. It was also one of the only albums still to date that hasn't even gone gold.
1: Oh, yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, it's
0: uh, it was a big failure. It's The the lead single was the live-in with a hernia. <laughs> I still think it's funny. I don't know. I think people were a little too hard on him, honestly. It was nominated for a Grammy still, but, you know, comedy album. I, I feel like at this point, it was yeah. kind of like he was going to be. But yeah, it didn't go gold. And this really shook him. He went on tour with the Monkees, and the Monkees were really like... It was like going a reunion out, kind yeah. of thing. And he said... Individually, they were great, but it was clear that they were just completely dysfunctional. So it was kind of uncomfortable. Mm. Um, But this is where Al got his first real taste with failure Mm. and basically hung it up here. He was like, "Okay, you know, it was fun while it lasted, but people are over it.
1: So he was about to like write it Yeah,
0: he definitely thought it was all over and didn't think that there was going to be a way to come back.
1: Oh, weird.
0: Then something happened where he decided... We're gonna pull it together. We're gonna we're gonna do another album and see what happens. And he was on the fence about going back to Michael Jackson because he didn't want to be like, okay, so you're the guy that just goes back to Michael Jackson yeah. when you don't know what to do. Yeah. But uh, Bad had just come out, mm-hmm. and it was too good to be true. Like, how Changed could he not? Two letters, yeah. And um, how could he not take advantage of it? So he contacted Michael Jackson. Pitched the idea of Fat, which we all know and mm-hmm. love, and of course Michael Jackson was like, "Definitely do it." That's hilarious, and he put it out April twelfth, nineteen eighty-eight. His fifth album, Even Worse, which the cover is you know a spoof on Bad, yeah. comes out, and Fat is a massive hit.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> What's funny about the video is that Michael Jackson was such a fan that he had just done uh, Moonwalker. And for the movie, he had recreated his entire set from the video mm-hmm. and let Weird Al use the set. So that wow. the the music video was shot on the replica of same set that that Michael Jackson had used. Wow, that's crazy! <laughs> it <was> very generous. <laughs> and I later read too that uh, Michael Jackson was so pleased with it that he bought a bunch of albums and would send them to like. His family and stuff, because he thought it was so funny. What a weird guy. (laughs) I know, it was totally weird. Uh, But Fat was massive. He won his second Grammy for it. (laughs) Okay, come on. I can't do it! It was a huge success. I don't know what else to say. I don't know either. He was extremely successful.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Won a Grammy, went platinum... You know, they kind of joked that they they refer to it as a comeback, but it, he never left. He just had one minorly just bad Just took a album. dip. Yeah. So he's riding high again. And this is pretty good time for him. 88. Uh-huh. He does a, a spoken word comedy album for Peter and the Wolf. And then he does a Greatest Hits album. So he's he's doing well. Like, the yeah. 80s are treating him well. He only had one minor dip. And now is the time to strike while the iron is hot. Yep. They had he and his manager Jay had had this career-long goal Mm -hmm. that Weird Al would be great as as a movie, so Mm. it's time to finally do a movie. Is it? And uh, this is gonna it's gonna be the end of the '80s and the end of many things for Weird Al. Oh, but 1989, the final year of the '80s, the final year we're gonna really focus on. Okay. Is the year of UHF.
1: <laughs> Ugh, as I like to call yes, it. Yes,
0: you do like to call it that.
1: Over and over again.
0: UHF was a feature-length film directed by his manager, Jay, written by both of them. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a parody spoof on pop culture. So mm-hmm. it was just a continuation of what he does as a musician. Yeah. It, it. It was a... Okay. You've seen it. How many times have you seen it? I think three. Okay. I've seen it quite a few times, too. I just watched it again today. And... <laughs> I, in all honesty, it's got its moments where it lags, but it's a good film. It's a funny, solid comedy from the late 80s. Like, I don't know what else you want. It came out, it got really high test ratings. When it came out, it was like the highest test ratings of, you know, of Orion's history or something. So they were all riding high. And then when it finally got released, it was... um, it came out at the exact wrong time. Oh no! It came out July twenty first, nineteen eighty
1: nine. Okay. What else came out? E. T. No, that was way. <laughs> shut up. Whatever. <laughs> swing and a miss. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> You're at the exact wrong end of the eighties. Whatever. Okay,
1: dude. No,
0: E. T. Did not come out. But
1: shut, shut
0: up. In the theater at this time. Would you like to? I will list off just a few of the films. Okay. That were currently in the theater or coming out at the same time. Do you
1: want me to keep guessing? No. Okay.
0: As UHF came out. Here you go. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ghostbusters 2. Batman. Lethal Weapon 2. What? Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. Weekend at Bernie's. The list goes on. It was one of the biggest summer blockbusters to date.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And UHF comes out, Aww. and it just got swallowed whole.
1: Of course.
0: Failed massively. It was uh, financially and critically a huge bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siskel gave it zero stars.
1: That's just mean. I,
0: it was totally mean. Ebert gave it one star. Ebert! Yeah, they are both hoity-toity ex- buttholes anyway, but <laughs> it was not that bad. It just... Bad timing. Okay. Really bad timing.
1: Well, and what do you expect from Weird Al? It's not like going to be high art.
0: No, and the soundtrack bombed too. It also what? still to date has not gone gold. What I know, Guys. it doesn't make sense, but it came out.
1: What? And... How many more does he have to sell? Like nine?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We should have a. We should rally. Let's do it. Everybody go download the album. <laughs> we should have a petition. <laughs> gold, we,
1: push, gold push. Gold
0: push. Yeah, this is going to be the Laser Graves bump for Weird Al.
1: Here we go. Here we
0: go. <laughs> we'll take full credit for it yeah. when it happens 20 years from now. Yep. No, UHF came out. It's funny. Okay, if you haven't seen it, uh, watch it. But it basically is a spoof of all these pop culture movies. Movie starts off with this Indiana Jones um play which i think is really funny right away i i mean i just i guess because i think weird al's funny i but all these things make me laugh because it gets starts off with weird al turning around and this guy's got a pistol on him and, and he whips the guy's arm and it just falls off and i i still laugh out loud when i see that scene
1: but I, didn't it come out right when indiana jones came out
0: the Last Crusade came out.
1: Oh, okay. No. Gotcha. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He's
0: doing the whole switching the gold yeah, for yeah. the bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he plays George Newman, who's this like daydreamer. He's just flipping burgers, going nowhere. Can't Newman? hold down a job. His girlfriend's played by the comedian Victoria Jackson from SNL, mm-hmm. and this is also uh, the you know one of the big famous stars to come out of this who would go on to become massively successful is Michael Richards. Uh, kramer from seinfeld he plays a janitor fran drescher's in it she's a secretary uh, so it's it's a great cast it's a really yeah. funny cast some of the jokes are, fall a little flat but i would say overall you're watching a weird al movie like what do you expect
1: he's not an actor it's not high art it's
0: weird al yeah like, get over yourself siskel
1: come on siskel. <laughs> right.
0: so the story is uh george who's weird al's character's name, George's uncle inherits a radio station in a gambling game. and Like you do. And Weird Al takes it over as the manager. It's a UHF station, and he takes it over, and he goes there with his friend and finds out that there's this guy named Philo, who's a chief chief engineer. He's like a doc from Back to the Future, kind of eccentric, that's yeah. sleeping there and living there. Um, that's when he meets Fran Drescher, who's the secretary there. And it just follows the story of them basically creating these quirky shows and the ratings start to go through the roof. And of course, in a cliche story, there's this rival big company, you know, that starts to get panicked because they're taking over the ratings and wants to buy them out. And that's the moral of the story is the little guy wins. There are some funny things. The dire straight video that he did, the uh, Beverly Hills one mm-hmm. that that's out of this. Um, but it's it's good. It's got a uh, Getty Watsonabi, the uh, long duck dong from Sixteen cannons. Oh yeah. Although I, you know, now we think of him as Duncan from from Vamp. Mm-hmm. Another episode you should go listen to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plug in all our episodes. One of my favorite little miniature skits and. In this movie is uh, Conan the Librarian. <laughs> and there's this one scene <laughs> where this kid's like, I'm sorry, it's late. And he just splits him in half with a sword. It's, <laughs> I just I still think it's funny. Classy. Um But yeah, in the ending also, my favorite is the ending where Michael Richards' character gets um, kidnapped and yeah. Weird Al goes to rescue him. But he daydreams that he's Rambo and he's got this like ripped muscle suit on. Yes. And it there's If there's one thing I love, and I'm discovering this more as we do movies,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love when people blow up, like entirely blow up. <laughs> and there's this scene where there's a standoff, and this guy, this like commie guy, has a gun, and they're face to face. And Weird Alice Rambo has a has his bow and arrow,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's right in front of him, and then lets it go, and the guy's entire body just blows up, <laughs> and I still like a, completely laugh hard, like a gut laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized it's, uh, you know, I'm a big David Pryor fan and I was just watching Invasion Force and that actually happens on Invasion mm-hmm. Force where the guy just blows up and I'm like, so this is just basically a of David course. Pryor film. But I, the whole Rambo scene is really funny and I think holds up really well. But the movie uh, ends, you know, they save the radio station. Hooray! I do like that Philo, the eccentric Doc character, at the end is like, well, I'm returning to planet Zarkon, and then just turns into an alien and <laughs> beams off. I mean, it's just quintessential Weird Al. Yeah. You don't love it. I don't know what to tell you. But, Get out of here. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I said, though, it was just it
1: was wrong place,
0: wrong time. And it was a huge flop, and it really... Was a gut punch to Weird Al in his career. So that's how he ends the 80s, his 1989. He just goes out um, with a massive failure. With a
1: big old, ugh.
0: Oh, it's, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And that's the 80s. And really. Um,
1: After that, his career tanked. It just he...
0: tanked. He was never heard from again. <laughs>
1: that's that.
0: No, that is Weird Al 80 to 89. Definitely had its peaks and valleys, as he put it. He learned that uh, you have to kind of ride it out because he went back to back. He went from uh, massive success to massive failure to massive success to massive failure.
1: Can you imagine what that does to the human psyche?
0: Yeah. And he um, kind of floundered for three more years after this. He couldn't find his footing. Yeah. He tried one more time with Michael Jackson. He wanted to do a spoof on Mm -hmm. uh, black and white. And it's the only time Michael Jackson was like, I'm sorry, this is kind of a serious subject yeah don't make fun of it and so he didn't and then as he put it um going into the early 90s nirvana came and just fell into his lap
1: Ah, uh, yes. and
0: so the story that we will not go into because this is a, would be another whole episode and we only yeah. cover the 80s is post 80s weird al takes off through the stratosphere as yeah. though he wasn't already successful enough.
1: Well, he's like the nostalgic for all of the kids who grew up kind of listening to it and realizing that he was still relevant in their decade.
0: Yeah, and really the post-log of, of Weird Al's story for this episode is that he does Smells Like Nirvana to the point of like even hiring people that were on in the video for Nirvana. <laughs> uh, they gave full permission entirely. Yeah. Um, because... Actually, you know what's interesting story of how he got permission for it is yeah. they were going to be a musical guest on SNL, and Victoria, who was his girlfriend in UHF, was on SNL. So he called and said, "Can you ask these guys if I can oh, do yeah. their song?" She didn't even know who they were because she wasn't a fan or anything. Yeah. Stopped him in the hall and said, "Here, talk to Weird Al and hand it over the phone." <gasps> and Kurt Cobain was like, uh, "Sure." And then, as he tells it, the story is then there was this pause. And Kurt Cobain was like, wait, is it going to be about food? (laughs) Weird Al said, no, it's going to be about how nobody can understand your lyrics. And he was like, cool. And then Dave Grohl later said, like, when it came out, they thought it was hilarious. Like, loved it. Good. And Kurt Cobain, this really sets the tone for all musical acts after this, is Kurt Cobain said it was a rite of passage to be, you know, to be made fun of basically by Weird Al, because you know, you've really made it. Absolutely, That's the reoccurring theme throughout the 90s and still today is if Weird Al approaches you, you're clearly doing something. It
1: means you're worth cover.
0: Yeah, you're really somewhere. And so he took off after that. He did um, Off the Deep End, which Mm -hmm. was the cover. That was the first real album I remember listening to Mm. over and over and over. It's uh, Weird Al floating through the swimming pool like the naked baby on on the Nirvana cover. (laughs) But he's chasing a donut. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then Alpalooza, you know, he was just hit after hit after hit. Yeah. And then he had his few controversies. Coolio was the big one. We can't wrap up the podcast without mentioning it.
1: Okay. I think that mentioning (sighs) it, let's just say Coolio sucks.
0: He was just, you know, and it lasted for a long time where there was this mix up where Weird Al's record company said, no, they gave permission. And apparently Coolio doesn't remember giving permission but recently, not too long ago, Coolio finally went on record and was like, look, I was full of myself back then. I was pretty arrogant. I should have been cool with it. And I'm sorry I acted that Yay! way. Yeah, and it's finally like they buried the hatchet and moved on. Um, yeah,
1: because Weird Al felt badly about he it. He really he's did. A, he's yeah. a nice person. He
0: wrote him a long letter apologizing Aww. and was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And as like somebody from the record company from Weird Al was like, however, uh, Coolio didn't mind getting the checks that he was getting from all of this uh-huh. because Amish Paradise was a spoof on Gangster's Paradise, which for the record, <laughs> when it came out and the Coolio like drama hit, uh, the first thing I thought is Coolio's using somebody else's song already. Like, I know. How is he getting all uptight? Get over yourself, dude.
1: He was young. He was dude. young.
0: He was you know very serious at the time. Okay. And, but, yeah, Amish Paradise, I still think is, like, really funny, too. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was really the only big hiccup he had. Whatever. People have said no over the years. People have said yes. But I feel
1: like at this point, though, when people say no, everybody else is, like, why would you do that? They, yeah, What's they wrong are, with you personally? They like, are
0: kind of shamed. Yeah.
1: Why would you not allow this to happen? We're mad at you for not letting Weird Al do his thing.
0: Yeah, but he still will personally ask everybody. And, you know, that's that's just what he does. But, you know, he went on. He had a bunch of uh, TV shows. He, pff, He's written
1: books. He's like five
0: Grammys.
1: 5,000. Up
0: until recently, he was the highest selling comedy act ever. 12 million albums. Take a guess who. I can't even. Knocked him off his throne. I can't even. So disappointing. Jeff Foxworthy.
1: Ah! (laughs) No. Yeah. That's why we have the president we have.
0: No, he's done. You know, there's been this push to try and get him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But the crazy thing is after all this 2014 weird owl gets his first ever number one record
1: oh yeah this
0: is not number one comedy album yeah this was the number one record in america and it was a weird owl record for the uh mandatory fun and it was the first time since 1963 a comedy album, had ever reached number one. Wow. So you have to think, this guy started 79, 80, yeah. and by 2014, he has a number one album. Jeez. 2015, the very next year, he became only the third artist ever behind Madonna and Michael Jackson to have a top 40 hit in each of the last four decades. Good
1: gravy. Wait, what about Mariah Carey? I don't think she She's, had a hit
0: every decade.
1: She, oh, maybe not four. She's getting there.
0: She wouldn't have had a hit in the 80s either, so she wouldn't need- Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, pretty awesome. Uh, so he's doing well. I mean, he's still doing just fine. Crazy story. Interesting guy. Very kooky character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's truly weird. He, he doesn't do drugs or alcohol or anything like that. He just is himself. He's just I also suspect
1: self. he's a full-fledged vegan. He's not. He says he avoids dairy and eggs.
0: He's vegetarian, though, because he said sometimes like if there's there's something here or there, he might sneak it. Jerk. Okay, never (laughs) mind. Okay, he's out. (laughs) Disregard (laughs) this whole episode. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's Weird Al. Uh, His post-80s story is really fascinating. However, I really do think his rise to fame in the 80s he became a pop culture icon Mm -hmm. and it's remarkable that a guy who was doing parodies of famous songs became as Mm -hmm. famous for the most part in some cases more famous than the people that he was doing parodies of and that's a real testament to his comedy skills and his perseverance and really honestly his talent because mm-hmm.
1: yeah, he is they're gifted. doing the
0: music. They're doing it really well. A lot of the rappers he spoofs are like, how how can he even rap like that? Yeah. <laughs> like He just is able to adapt to it and do it really well. And you know what? Hats off to Weird Al. I think... He's an American treasure, and
1: he is. You know, he's
0: just uh, this eccentric character.
1: I think he's just he's just there to be weird and have fun, and I love that.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a nice little dose of, um, a little reality check. Sometimes somebody asked yeah. him once why he hasn't done serious songs, like what, how come he never made a serious album? Mm-hmm. And he was saying like, "There's plenty of people out there trying to do that," you know, like. Yeah. It's okay to just put on a smile and have fun.
1: He's just putting some some good out there. Yeah. Good for him.
0: So that's the story of Weird Al in the 80s. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you knew some of it, cool. If you didn't, awesome. Go watch UHF. Make your own opinion. Don't follow stupid Siskel and Ebert's dumb criticisms. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, I, I think he tried hard. I think it's a comedy. It is what it is. And I think his records, honestly... They hold up. I, I get that some of his uh, less successful ones didn't have the big hits, but they're still just a Weird Al record. Like, take it or leave it. I don't get it's how fantastic. you could <laughs> really distinguish them. <laughs> they're just all one continuous Weird Al persona. And, yeah. you know, he got LASIK surgery, so he lost the glasses and he shaved the mustache and he grew his hair out. But what's remarkable is how he looks now is also a caricature. Yeah. And if you were to draw him with his long poodle hair, you I have. still know who he is.
1: I have drawn him with his Did lawn. you do a weird owl portrait? Oh, oh yeah.
0: Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, if you like what you heard, um, you can rate, review, download wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but we are you know on Spotify and, and Podbean and iTunes and all that. Tell a friend. Thank you to everybody who's been giving us ratings. We really appreciate it. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Lasergraves. Our personal sites, I'm at death at 33 RPM.
1: I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer.
0: And um, until next week, thanks so much for listening to the story of Weird Al. And I hope that uh, maybe you want to go put on an album or something or just uh, go watch a music video and and have a good laugh. Yeah. Don't take yourself so seriously.
1: I won't. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.